WGNS Murfreesboro, W270AF Murfreesboro, W263AI Murfreesboro, Smyrna. The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Scott Walker. Right now that time, 818, you're tuned to WGNS on this Tuesday morning today, the 25th of January. And in studio with us this morning, we have folks from Murphy's Row Parks and Rec. And starting out this morning, Parks Director Nate Williams. How are you? Good, Scott. How are you? I appreciate the theme song as always. Yeah, no problem. It gets us in the right mindset to be able to discuss all things Parks and Rec. I believe it is the uh, Parks Office in Murphy's Row. Is it similar to that show, Parks and Rec? It's exactly the same. Good. I mean, right. it's exactly the same. No so. difference. Well, whatsoever. no, Nate doesn't have the swivel desk yet. But yeah. it's, it's ordered, right? <laughs> <laughs> now, we love that show. It's so funny because people uh, uh, ask us if it's a lot like the show, and there's some similarities, but it's just a fun show. We enjoy it. If so. we went back through our 20-year history, and, and we could pull out segments throughout that. That's funny. <laughs> of those incidents. Uh, Thomas Laird also with us, and Melinda Tate as well. Uh, so what what's going on this time of year? What 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 are you doing? Yeah, so we're we're very busy. You know, we stay busy throughout the year, but this is where we're starting to look forward to the spring and then the summer. Uh, right now, we have a whole host of. Uh, rental opportunities you can rent borough beach out at sportscom uh, we've got tons of facilities that are open our, our fitness centers are, are busy and we've got a lot of new programs happening at each one i know a lot of people the new new year have bought new passes so uh, they're able to enjoy the different you know exercise classes and equipment that we have uh, something that we're looking forward to is summer camps uh, i know parents are looking forward to that and we open registration at 8 a.m. on March 1st, and we have, I think, over 17 camps that we have going on this wow. summer. So that's, that's something our staff takes a lot of pride in, having really quality uh, activities for, for uh, kids and youth to do during the summertime uh, at a cost that's not you know burdensome to parents. So uh, I think it's become a go-to, and we're proud of that and the quality that comes out and the innovation every year that uh, takes to go into these camps. I know lately the city of Murfreesboro has had a lot of conversations about new parks new park ideas such as daylighting town creek over you know between church street and and cannonsburg and then also talks of a new park uh, out there on veterans parkway of course we were talking to middle tennessee yeah. electric about that a second ago but a, a lot of talk about parks constantly working constantly trying to come up with what the next thing is uh, the west park is something we're excited about we're in the due diligence period of that land swap that you were talking with amy about and uh, looking forward to the potential there, potentially a, a park site with a school site, maybe other city services uh, that I think will really hit some good residential areas and provide really a great facility. So we're looking uh, forward you know, to whatever that looks like. We don't know exactly for sure, but we do know that if it happens, this, this piece of property would be much more well suited, I think, for both entities uh, in Middle Tennessee Electric and Murphy, the city of Murfreesboro. And there's a big tree area out there, lots of trees out there. So yeah. would you see trails or anything? Is it big you, enough for that? No, I think we haven't really got into conceptual designing yet. So I'd hate to get the cart before the horse, you know, and what that would look like. But I do know we've done a lot of research on what we would like to put into a park if that becomes, you know, uh, the, the park in the Blackman area, which I think there's a good chance. Uh, but I think there's an opportunity for a lot of different amenities that we could put out there. And uh, what else is happening yeah, right well, now? 
we have a lot going on in our existing parks. Uh, we got quite a few renovation projects and improvements. Uh, the Richard Siegel Soccer Complex is getting eight turf fields and one of those will be completely covered for a indoor facility. If you've been by lately, they're still going up. So uh, that project is moving. Uh, we're Are these eight new fields in addition to what's so already there? We've converted uh, eight traditional grass fields to synthetic turf so uh, we didn't increase the number of fields we've just increased the usage okay if your uh, listeners Scott are driving out and they uh, see some uh, big uh, steel going up at Siegel that's the 90,000 square foot indoor practice facility that Thomas was talking about and we're really excited about that. It's going to be something uh, that's unique regionally uh, that we'll be able to host all kinds of events. And, you know, uh, we talk about, you know, the legacy facility coming on board and we'll be able to partner with them and the types of events and tournaments. We talk about not just regional or uh, national tournaments. We can do international events when that comes to town. That'd then be pretty cool. Up the, up the road at uh, McKnight Park, we're doing a, a park renovation there. So the fencing and backstops and all is being completely redone. That should improve visibility for spectators and fans. Uh, it looks great. So right now they're, they've got the backstops to do, and then that project will be completed. Uh, so we've got a lot going on, and the new CIP, we, we got a lot of plans to continue to improve what we have. Wait, what, what is CIP? I don't know what that is. Uh, it's the Community Investment Plan. That's where okay. the funds come in. That's where the council uh, looks at and uh, approves these larger chunks of money for projects. So these might be rehab projects or new facility projects. So uh, we look five years out every year and see what that might look like. And what we've focused on the past couple of years, uh, on top of looking, you know, far out and what, you know, a West Park or a Blackman Park might look like, but what facilities do we have that need improvement? And mm -hmm. so uh, making sure that what we have is really kept up to a standard that's acceptable and something that we want to keep for the residents of Murfreesboro and the people that visit Murfreesboro. And we're replacing uh, the playground at Starplex, which is a 20-plus-year-old playground. Uh, and then we've got other playgrounds within our, our plan to continue to replace. So we continue to improve what we <coughs> already have uh, and I know the talks of new facilities is always exciting uh, but it, it certainly goes a long way when our existing facilities are the highest level quality hey, you know Murfreesboro is really starting to grow to a point where there's not going to be the opportunity for a whole lot more in way of park land because yeah. I mean we're growing pretty fast I think that's something that we're fortunate that our, our administrations and city councils have passed where uh, really forward thinking and, and thought about you know Barfield Park being over 400 acres and just buying another 73 acres to go on top of that just to be able to preserve that green space that otherwise might not have been preserved um, so you know we're in the, the natural resources uh, game too we work on that to make sure we're preserving the natural habitat and then just providing green space I think as uh, our community grows that's one of our most important things we can do so what about for example uh, Old Fort Park one of the older parks in town any change changes there in yeah. the years to come so we're looking we're really excited something uh, in our CIP that's been authorized by City Council is to look at renovating uh, that front ball field so making that that's a singular ball field that can really become the recreational field uh, open to the public and can host our uh, our local leagues and um, our softball and other events but that's in much needed if you drive past it you'll see it's a much needed uh, re state where it needs some rehab so uh, we're going to be renovating that and like you said old fort park is one of our capstone parks and one of our most well visited yeah when when did old fort open i i 
Was it in the yeah, 70s or? Late 70s. The other day uh, I was talking to somebody about it. They said 1980 specifically. Okay. So I think they started in the uh, uh, late 70s and then opened it in the 80s. That's, that's the park that I remember growing up well, that we would go to, the park, you know, yeah, before yeah, Kids yeah. Castle and that old exercise equipment and that tall metal slide out there. I think like most parks, originally it was a ball field and they started playing ball and from there it continued to grow and uh, you know, it, it, at one time it had two ball fields, a baseball field and a softball field. Uh, and that was where Little League played uh, for a long time. Uh, I, I remember when the Ag Center was out there, mm-hmm. and they, they even had a, a couple of times like a, a mud races and a tractor pull. Yep. Uh, so I remember. <laughs> Maybe that's what we need to bring back. That's right. Mud uh, races yeah. and tractor pull. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you think Trey will let us use some Maybe. Golf course Maybe. Land? <laughs> use the golf course yeah. land. That's a good idea. Right. But Old Fort Park. We're just know. kidding. Don't, don't call him. <laughs> don't <be> no, we're <laughs> the golf, our local golfers. It's a pristine course. We would never do that. But Old Fort Park used to have the uh, famous roller slide, you know, yep. the one that yep. would. Yeah, pinch your pinch fingers. You. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, which I haven't seen one of those slides in well, years anywhere. You know, that's a community. That was a community build park. It was fantastic for the community to come together. And when we re- had to replace that playground, you know, we really would like to go on with something similar, but new technology and safer, and safer, <laughs> uh, and much more play for the kids. While it was really cool, it didn't have quite the features that we, we currently have. However, we do have the zip line at Miracle Field Park, which replaces that element. So you do get that zip lining in a much safer environment with a lot less injury, risk of injury. <laughs> Scott, I don't know if you remember like me, you know, you've been around Murfreesboro for a long time, but at Old Fort Park, I remember there was this one water fountain that came up and it was the best water you've ever had in your life. And I don't think, it, you know, you'd sit there and drink for minutes, it felt like. But I don't think the water is any different. It's just because you're so hot and tired from running around. You just sit there and drink and drink and drink. I remember that one water fountain. You know, I, I remember that water fountain as Do you well, really? But I, I don't remember it tasting that great or anything. But you know, It was just hey, cold and wet, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, out of all things that you remember about the park, it's the water fountain that really impressed you, I guess. <laughs> it was. It really made a lasting memory and really set the, the my trajectory from a career in parks and recreation that's why you became the director your goal have multiple water fountains at every park <laughs> that's cold it. water at all cold, cold that's water right. that's, that's right. a good goal so we can make an <laughs> impact so well we also have other guests coming yeah. in in just a second with this, Murfreesboro Parks this is something we're really excited about Scott this is something we're doing over at Patterson and, and really uh, in honor of Black History Month and uh, it's called uh, Created Equal Tennessee Legacy Series this is a movie series we're doing we've got some special guests with us here uh, Von Shell Stimbridge is our uh, uh, coordinator, our facility coordinator for Bradley Academy Museum and has done just a tremendous job getting this together with the help of former uh, Councilman Ron Washington who's really spearheaded this. Uh, We've been working on this for some time uh, but we're so excited about this and I'm excited for our guests to be able to come in and really talk about what the importance of this looks like. And and we'll go ahead and take a break real quick here, check on the weather and then we'll talk about all that because I I know I talked to Ron Washington I I guess about a month ago when all this was being planned so th- there is a lot that is happening yeah and ron's been so involved and we're so thankful for his uh continued support you know not just with this but in everything that we do in parks and recreation but this was one of his ideas and it's really good and fun to see it come to fruition we're excited to bring it uh, to the community and want to uh, give you really all the details here in just a minute and, and for those who are new to the area they may not know that ron washington used to be a city councilman he worked at middle tennessee electric mm-hmm. as well for years uh, but, you know, he's always been heavily involved in the community. So, because, um, you know, it seems like there's new people that move in every single day. I, I heard last 
report was like a, a thousand something new students at the schools each year. Yeah, uh, I think it was twelve hundred actually. So I, there's no telling how many new people move here every single day. It's it's growing community. Again, talking about Murfreesboro Parks and Rec this morning, and uh, we'll talk more about Parks and Rec here in just a second after we take a break. And that was Parks Director Nate Williams, and uh, Thomas Laird was with us also, and Melinda Tate. So make sure you stay with us. We do have more coming up in just a second after we take this short break to check on the weather and to hear from some of our sponsors. As cold and flu season approaches, one of the best things that you can do to give somebody who is sick is a quart of Demas's chicken and rice soup. This is Peter Demas with Demas Family of Restaurants. This soup is my grandmother's recipe, and we have used this soup in order to help our family whenever we are sick. Just gives us a good comfort feeling. One of the things that you can also do is you can now ship that soup anywhere across the United States, and you can order that soup online at demasfamilykitchen.com. We'll see partial sunshine developing here this afternoon with temperatures holding rather steady. North winds at 10 to 15 miles per hour and at times gusting as high as 20. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Vujicic on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 34. Hi, this is Dan Mitchell at Music World and Drummer's Den, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. We have an excellent sound room with good acoustics. If you want to try on any guitar in the store, if you've got a perfect place to listen to it, compare them side by side, see how the neck feels to your hand, which is important to a guitar player. We have keyboards to play, a room in the back for drums to give a run through with cymbals, snares, whole sets. Come in Music World and Drummer's Den and try out before you buy it. Music World and Drummer's Den. Hi, this is Becky Bookner, and I'm just so proud to talk about the veterans in our community and what an incredible gift they've given all of us, and that's our freedom and the right to live in this country, and we're so grateful to them for the sacrifices they've made. Hi, this is Gator with Tire World Off-Road. We're your local rough country dealer, so when you're ready to add some character to your rig, ask for Gator at Tire World Off-Road on Memorial Boulevard. This is Sean Brown at Tire World on Broad Street, online at tireworld.us. WGNS proudly salutes and remembers our U.S. veterans who have served our country. In this salute, we talk to a veteran who served in the Marines. Andrew Farr, Marine combat veteran. I was born in Nashville, grew up in uh, New Hampshire, uh, went to boarding school, went to college, and then uh, enlisted in the Marine Corps. Did four years, three combat tours, and then got out in 2008. A combat veteran is not an easy job. No. It wasn't when I was in. And not he, for the Vietnam vets, uh, not for Korea, World right. War One, World War Two. Those guys had it rough, and I, I did have it rough, but not as not as bad as those guys. Well, that's that's true, and I think it's because society as a whole is becoming more aware of what we're asking yes. of our military personnel. You said you did three tours. It, that was uncommon. In Back Vietnam. then. Vietnam, you did one tour, two tours. That was it. But now we have guys doing three, five, six, six. seven. I've known a guy who did eight tours. Uh, we did the Democratic vote in 05 in okay. Iraq. We were part of that. 2006, eh, not so much humanitarian. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2007, definitely humanitarian. We actually helped out Bangladesh in 07 when they had that micro-tornado. We gave them food and water and, and uh, helped them uh, recover bodies from the mess. I think that our foreign policy in particular is asking a lot of the men and women yes, sir. in this country. I agree. Andrew Farr, Marine combat veteran. I'm Stephen Reynolds, the man in the middle. This has been a salute to veterans on WGNS Radio.
Restoration One of Middle Tennessee. A team of experts and immediate responders who help homeowners after disaster strikes. After disaster strikes. Fire, water, or storm damage. We can help you get your life back to normal quickly. Restoration One Middle Tennessee.com. Locally and veteran. Gandy Seafood is your crawfish headquarters. This is Chuck Gandy with Gandy Seafood Company. Crawfish season is now through the 4th of July. Gandy Seafood offers cooked and live crawfish along with customized crawfish boiling kits. The Gandy Seafood Cajun Market on Memorial Boulevard across from Sportscom. Two powerful FM signals, one AM signal, and online at WGNSRadio.com means that you can listen to us anywhere. AM, FM, FM, online. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Time right now, 8.34. We are continuing to talk about different programs within Murfreesboro Parks and Rec. And we have Shell Stembridge with us this morning to talk more about some events that are coming up just around the corner in February. So what all is happening in February? Yeah, so we are extremely excited to be here. Um, I have a group of ladies with me. And we have um, someone on the way, Mr. Leroy Cunningham. But... Um, we are extremely excited to kick off the inaugural Black History movie series. It's called the Tennessee Legacy Film Discussion. Um, again, like Nate said, Mr. Ron Washington, this is his brainchild. Um, it's just a movie series. Um, we wanted to make it, uh, bring it back to Tennessee's history, the richness of it, and tell a story. So we chose two films um, to show the uh, community and then we got we have some amazing presenters that will be moderating the film so a film and discussion we have one that will be held on february the 12th it's the green book and mr leroy cunningham will be our presenter on that day the time for it will be 12 p.m until 3 and it'll be uh, held at the Washington Theater at Patterson Park Community Center. So how did y'all go about picking that first movie, for example, Green Book? What, what went into that? And, what, uh, and what's it about? Absolutely. Um, so um, it's telling the story of the uh, black uh, community, the motorists. So as they traveled in the South um, during that time, uh, the uh, Jim Crow mm-hmm. era, um, they had to be cautious to where they traveled, where they would um, actually stay. And so the significance of the Green Book for us choosing is in the book, the actual book, there is a location off of State Street. It's called Stateside. So it was an apartment area where African-Americans could lodge um, during that time frame. So in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, there is still standing a... Um, a safe space for African-Americans during that time. You know, I think it's hard for those in my generation, your generation, to really, I guess, capture and understand how things used to be. Because that's, that's, it's really tough to imagine some of the stuff that happened back then. Absolutely. And um, as all of us was sharing our stories while we were waiting, I learned that Miss Lester, who is a presenter, her her home front uh, was originally a um, a storefront, and okay. so um, I just think that's so, such rich history. And then um, my first 
apartment um, when my, when we moved here. So as a child, I actually stayed in Stateside. I stayed in the second apartment. It's right across the street from some of our well-known barbers and beauty shops that's right here on State Street. So just learning the history and being able to tell the community about the, the different um, landmarks in Rutherford County. And Carolyn Lester again also with us this morning and she's one of the presenters during the Freedom Riders presentation which will be February 26. So, so kind of tell us what some of the things are that you'll be talking about to those who attend. It's, it's hard for people to think about it now, especially like you said with your generation, people that are 50 and younger. But over 55 years ago, we found that voting rights were challenged and in the state of Mississippi. And the voting rights challenge is still going on today. And in May of 1965, we found that they started Freedom Summer in Mississippi, and that's part of the film. And that Freedom Summer was created just to get people registered to vote. We know that... Uh, 80% of the population in Mississippi was African-American or black, and only 6% of them were registered, registered to vote. And, the, and during that Freedom Summer, there was a, like a thousand uh, white students who came down from the Ivy League schools to help educate people and to get people registered to vote. And that's just kind of a little highlight of what we'll be seeing in that film. You know, when you think back years and years and years ago, and you focus on some of the films that try to display or try to depict what life was like, you know, I'm, I'm saying 50, 60, 70 years ago, um, it's hard to, when you watch them, it's hard to believe some of the things that you see in these movies or these documentaries are true because mm -hmm. that's how horrific, in some cases, life was. Yes, and it's, it's even uh, more difficult for us to understand it because Middle Tennessee was not quite as wasn't as bad as Mississippi and Alabama at all. Uh, Western Tennessee had some problems there in the 60s where people were forced to live in tents. They were forced off of their, it wasn't their land, they were sharecroppers. And because they were trying to vote and whatnot, they were forced off of their lands. And the same thing happened in Mississippi. But we don't, I don't know if that here, didn't hear of that happening here in Middle Tennessee. Middle Tennessee was more moderate. I, I know for anybody who's driven the Mississippi Delta route, you know, and, and seeing some of the history along that route, there are still what they called slave houses still standing mm -hmm. today. Mm -hmm. In fact, uh, some of which I believe people actually live in, mm -hmm. but the several that are still standing in, in, in decent shape, they're used, I guess, as museum pieces to demonstrate what life was like, the living conditions back then. Um, but we're not talking that long ago, are we? We're talking when I was a young adult. <laughs> I mean, this, it, and that's, that's, I think, one of the things that makes it even harder for those in, you know, age 20 to 40 or, and, and younger, it makes it even harder for them to understand because when we say this stuff happened not too long ago, it really was in recent years when you look at the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. It was, it, we're talking about the 60s which was not that long ago. What, what are some of the things that you recall, because I know you said Middle Tennessee, for example, wasn't as bad as some of the other areas were, but what, what are some of the things that you recall? I only, re well, two, two things that I recall, not so bad, but I remember we were traveling to Cookville with one of my, my dad's uh, work for a man who had a son who was going to Tennessee Tech, 
and he asked us to drive him up there. And of course, my mother and myself and dad went. And we got to Cookville, and of course, I had to use the restroom. I was probably about five or six years old. And we were going to eat at this restaurant. Of course, the, we knew my family could not go in and eat, but I couldn't even use the restroom. And I remember the man that uh, my dad was driving said if, we could, if I couldn't use the restroom, that we would not eat there. And we took off. And I, well, I, went, I think I went around the back with my mother, but we took off and didn't go. The second thing that I remember was my junior year in high school, Auburn, and it's facing them again now with the elementary school there. They're getting ready to close the school in Auburn Town. And I'm a resident of Auburn Town, which is in Cannon County, Woodbury is the county seat. But I remember my junior year in high school, I had been going to, uh, I lived in Cannon County all my life, but I was educated in Wilson County. And back in the late 30s, early 40s, uh, Cannon County had made an arrangement with Wilson County to transport the black students to Lebanon to go to school because we lived in that Prosperity Auburn Town Cottage home area. The others were bused to Holloway from Woodbury, but because we were on the northern end of the county and right across the county line. But uh, they asked me to come and go to school. And of course, I didn't want to because I felt like I would probably get a scholarship if I continued to go to the school that I was going to in Wilson County High School in Lebanon. Uh, they continued to want me to come, but I was the only one that said, no, I'm not going to go. I'm going to stay with the Wilson County. But there were others who did go to the school and there were no problems. I don't ever remember being called derogatory names or anything like that. That's the reason I said it was milder, at least in Auburn town. Again, Carolyn Lester with us. And when you look back at history, you know, there was a lot of historic changes that were made, historic strides that were made in places like Nashville with uh, TSU students. And there was a group that came there in order to to strike up that conversation of making a change. And they traveled all across the South. They traveled into Mississippi, of course. But there was also a lot of fights. There were a lot of deaths that went along with this fight for freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, we're, we're talking about 50s and 60s era, not that long ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a final thing, I remember, of course, being a student at Tennessee State from 1964 to 1968 when I graduated. I remember going to Walgreens there by the arcade after the sit-ins, it had been approved that we could eat in the restaurants. And I remember going there and it took a while for the food to get to us. And I wasn't sure that I even wanted to eat the food because they still were not, you know, I I think it was my sophomore year probably, which would have been 1965. I, I didn't feel comfortable eating the food. And the guy that I was with was one of, with SNCC, and he said, oh, it'll be okay. But I just could not feel comfortable because there was still that animosity there. The change of when, I, I, I guess, I don't, I don't know, when do you remember everything changing for the good and things really starting to, to lighten up and, and you felt true freedom? Do you remember when that occurred? Well... <laughs> I, re- I remember in high school that there were some teachers that tried to tell some of us about what was going on. They lost their jobs. So I don't know exactly with, this, with it being so moderate here in, uh, in the Middle Tennessee area. I can't say that I remember when there was a true freedom. And I'd kind of say that if there was true freedom, it has uh, regressed or has gone back right now. And, and we are seeing changes all across America. We, we are seeing things 
um, that do have a relationship with what occurred so many years in the past. And, you know, that whole thing about repeating history, things do repeat themselves, mm-hmm. especially if there's a lack of education. And, mm-hmm. and I think that education part of it is the biggest thing. You know, I, I, education is huge. It's key. Knowing, knowing your past is very important. So coming up February 26, you're going to be introducing Freedom Riders and, and I guess having a talk or a conversation about it yes. to those in attendance. And that's all going to be at Patterson Park. Mm-hmm. And it's open to the public. And we'd like to have people come out and discuss with us what their ideas are. And again, 12 to 3 on February 26. And again, that's at Patterson Park. And then going back to Green Book, that's February 12th, also in Patterson Park, 12 to 3 also. Um, I, I guess tell us a little bit more about everything going on over those periods of time, February 12th through the 26th, and, and what is happening within the city of Murfreesboro. Absolutely. So we have a um, we have quite a few organizations that's going to partner with us. We have MTSU on board. Um, we also have the African American Heritage Society of Rutherford County um, that's going to actually partner with us. Um, we have um, the city of Murfreesboro, and then we just we have just volunteers. So the Bradley Academy Museum and Cultural Center, and also Patterson Park community st- staff that will be making sure that everyone is feeling comfortable wh- when they're inside of the. Um, movie but we'll also have a lot of conversations so conversations is gonna that that's the plan to just have this discussion started up but not only just stop it there so we have um, had the city TV to create a lot of city uh, promotion Um, Michael Nevels and Marcus um, with city TV have done promotions um, on the back end and we have Michael Lynn White that will also do our Facebook live to promote this uh, this amazing event. Again, once the patrons come in, they'll receive some index cards to actually put some questions on, um, you know, down so we can answer them. If we don't get to them on that day, we're gonna make sure that we continue the conversation on our Facebook page at the Bradley Academy Museum and Cultural Center. And this is just that conversation that we want to continue and to feed the community the knowledge like you said um, we want to make sure that we tell the entire story also with us margaret mckinley and uh, margaret is with the african-american heritage society of rutherford county and margaret what types of i don't know historic facts and figures have you been able to uncover that focus on rutherford county and in this immediate area oh thank you um Our mission is to discover, preserve, teach, and share the heritage and history of African Americans in Rutherford County. So we were just excited to jump on board as a collaborator for this event because this is what we do monthly. And uh, we meet and we share our stories um, in a a sheltered setting. Uh, We are open to all ethnicities. But our primary focus is on things that have happened in Relford County. So during our um, um, span, we have honored churches, and there are about 35 to 40 African-American churches who have been in existence in this county for over 100 years. 
So we um, highlighted that at one of our events. These are free and open to the uh, public. Uh, we have talked about uh, trailblazers that are known among our community. And we're finding out that we have trailblazers <laughs> that we didn't know about. So we have highlighted um, uh, uh, some of the leading ladies that are in Relaford County, our, our, our African-American um uh, persons that we've already honored, but we've also reached out to look for personalities such as Mary Helen Vaughn, who was an educator here in Murfreesboro um, back in the day. Um, Vaughn Street is actually uh, dedicated in her memory, so we did research and shared all those facts. Um, we have uh, identified and marked several historical uh, sites in Relford County, such as the Benevolent Cemetery, which a lot of people didn't even know that cemetery existed in that space. But in that space off of 231, you'd have to look for it to find it. There are buried soldiers who fought in all of the major wars, starting with the Spanish-American War. And we have, and they are, some of them are interred there as well as all the way up to the Vietnam War. So we have um, names for those um, veterans, deceased veterans, and we have programs that kind of highlight that space and um, honor those families. Um, we do research on grave sites that have been abandoned uh, by identifying the um, residents of that era as well. So. Um, a lot of the things that we talk about are things that are discussion starters. In other words, you're not going to sit down and have a conversation with somebody about the Green Book. But if that comes up, when that movie came out and when um, Bradley Academy decided that that was what they was going to show, we have people who actually have Green Books uh, in their homes and didn't know what they were. They just were... What, what are they? I'm, I'm All right. They are, they are books printed that identify places that you need to be out of by sundown. They, there are areas called sundowner towns. So the sun doesn't go down with you in that town, basically. But if you need to stay somewhere, the Green Book identifies in that town a safe space for you to go and spend the night or several nights or a place for you to go and eat because you couldn't just drive up to the Shoney's. There are um, through the south, it starts as soon as you hit the Mason-Dixon line and identifies those safe spaces where you can go and gas, uh, gas your car up. Like there's one here, used to be on um, Manny Avenue. So that's the Green Book. It was your roadmap of safe spaces to uh, visit and um, patronize during the time that you were in the south. Now that you talk more about it, I, I do remember hearing and learning about that but it's hard to believe that there was such a book needed you know and that's the sad part about it is that there was a book or a list of places telling people where they could go that was needed to keep people safe and it's just crazy to even imagine that it, that existed and yeah but that was a like good it. thing because that kept you safe yeah yeah <laughs> it, it, it's just it's wild to hear about yeah. that and the people that needed to know knew and they um circulated that information around basically were people careful as to who saw or who received the green book because at the same time it seems like those who were against african-americans would 
attack business owners and businesses because they were so open. Well, um, that might have been a byproduct, but it wasn't anything that was hidden. I mean, it was out in the open. It was um, shared. And, and for some reason, I guess just faith and history and, and, and spiritual uh, discernment, those places were not necessarily uh, targeted. So are some of the businesses that are listed in that green book still in business today? Yes, they are still um, in business and the, the locations are identified. And probably during that discussion at Patterson, we'll be able to... Um, um, what history there, though. I mean, that, that, that's neat that some of those businesses are still in business. And, and the fact that, I don't know if there's a historic marker in front of those businesses, but it's really neat. That's what we're working about. on doing, trying to make those identifications. So, so the Ted, War, Ted Car Wash on Manny is where the African-American uh, Amico station was, where you could guess. So, yeah. And were some of these businesses, uh, well, I guess, first of all, were they only in the South, or did it go all the way down Route 66 towards the west? or No, it was just the south. Just the yeah, south, just okay. The south. But it's fascinating to learn about things like that. And, and you know, sadly, I don't know that they're teaching a lot of information about that in our schools because no, I don't remember hearing about not, that in school. they're not, and that's the mission of uh, our society. It's not subversive, but it's informational sharing. And we hope that doing between now and the time the uh, film is shown, people will look in their attics and trunks and so forth and see if they can locate some of these green books. It's so important to teach the youth you know, of today about the past because... Right. We don't want them to repeat the same Definitely mistakes. not repeat it. Yes. And then also, I think it helps folks better understand uh, different groups, different organizations, the reason they're here. I mean, there's just a lot that goes with that history that is related to today's times that is very useful in today's times. Exactly, exactly. And thank you so much for having us. So all of this is coming up again February 12th and February 26th. And the Green Book, that'll be shown at the Washington Theater inside Patterson Park. And then Freedom Riders, also Washington Theater, Patterson Park, February the 26th. Now, uh, we only have like four minutes left, but uh, as we close, anything else going on within the parks and within this coming event in February? No, we're Scott, we're excited about this. I'm just sitting here listening to this discussion over the last 30 minutes, you know. It's fascinating how much, you know, Miss Lester, Miss McKinley can provide just like you said, just the history that's, you know, you think you know, but you can't get in depth and really understand until you hear it firsthand. And I think that's what we're so excited about. Uh, Mr. Cunningham, Leroy Cunningham is here. He's going to be our moderator uh, for the Green Book. And uh, it's going to be a great discussion. Uh, I think that it, it, one of the things that we get the opportunity to do is provide this completely free. Yeah. Uh, so it's something we're just inviting, you know, people to come out, make sure you inform your parents about it tell your kids about it and uh, come out and join us again Leroy Cunningham also here and, and Leroy just real quick tell us uh, about I guess some of the subjects you'll be focusing on for those in attendance if they want to bring up questions if they have things that uh, they want to know more about what are some of the subjects you'll be focusing on that day <clears throat> well actually uh, it's a pretty interesting situation because <clears throat> excuse my voice the green book uh, the Green Book itself, as a part of the movie, is almost a prop. Um, so uh, the presentation that we're going to make on the 12th at uh, the Washington Theater at, at Patterson Park, 
I'm going to um, spend a little bit of time talking about the movie, but because the movie doesn't focus as much on the uh, publisher of the, of the Green Book, Victor Green, I'm going to spend some time prior to the movie talking about Victor, Victor Green so that folks know about that piece of it. Then we're going to show the movie, and then I'm going to attempt to engage the uh, audiences there about the content of the movie. And I've got some little pearls of wisdom that I'm going to try to throw in there. I'm not quite old enough to have been uh, baptized, if you will, in all that, that went on. But I do remember some of the things. And, of course, as a kid, from a traveling, from a traveling standpoint, I was born in the Midwest and traveled to the South. And as I was reading in preparation for, the, for this presentation, I can recognize some things that my parents did that I didn't understand why they did because I was just a kid. But now the light comes on in terms of why they did that. We carried food in the car, uh, as an example. Um, we had, uh, I can even remember one tri trip, we had uh, uh, essentially a slop jar uh, in the car uh, to make sure that if we were not able to use facilities that we had some way to take care of that. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop those in if, if I have an opportunity. But... The presentation itself is going to focus in on the movie, and that's a whole different discussion that we don't have time to get into. And then I'm going to drop some other things in there because, as was outlined before, we really want to engage the community uh, with the seeing of the movie and hear some comments that they have. But I've got some feeling if I need to. Sounds great. And again, all of this is coming up in February, and we're going to post more information about all this on our website whenever we post this podcast. But again, Green Book will be shown February 12th and then February 26th. The Freedom Riders, both at Patterson Park. And you can learn more about this through the city's website, through our website. Like I said, I'll post some more stuff on this. Uh, but again, all of this coming up in February. So thank you all for joining us and hope to learn more about it in the near future. Time right now, 8.59. You're tuned to WGNS Murfreesboro. Uh, check on the forecast and the news comes your way in just a minute. 